With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, you miserable bastards, and welcome to the Misery Hunters podcast. My name is Jamie Coburn, and joining me is Mark Jarden. Hello. Is Dave there already? <laughs> God, he's early. Uh, Craig Devine. Andrew Christie. Evening. And Sam Smith. Hola. A near full house. Like, will Ross ever return to the podcast? Who knows? Will he be at the live show? Who knows? But we've got there are six of us here, to be fair. Dave's, Dave's in the background. Oh, well. <laughs> Waiting in the wings. <laughs> Uh, so, I guess we've we, we, we've got a, a now now to talk about. Yeah, fuck me, piping hot. Yeah, uh, fresh at the station. Well, this is this is the thing about like we, we have two people who were on comms, so we can just go to them and ask them about the game. <laughs> we can sit back and let them waffle on about a now now. So, guys, how was your your time on comms? I mean, I yeah. uh, on you go. Yeah, myself and Craig made uh, Craig made his commentary debut. It was um, I really enjoyed it. It was brilliant. I thought Craig really took to it. Uh, it was really good. Um, kind of, I've obviously not done one at home yet. Uh, Ibrooks was a bit of a kind of baptism of fire. Uh, being the kind of the main Esco stream, it was a bit. Uh, it was a lot of comments that weren't funny read. So, I Saturday was a lot more fun. It was at our bit. It was. No, it wasn't a great game by any means, don't get me wrong, but it was a really fun experience. And uh, football-wise, I what can you say? It was just really, really poor. It was another game where we kind of just seemed to have a collective off day. And I think one thing we kind of saw today, we saw less so against Rangers, but definitely saw against Rangers, was when our midfield three doesn't perform, we don't really perform. Like, the, the usually pretty solid three of O'Hara, Bacchus and Erlhorn, Kinda let Alan thirty-four-year-old Alan Power run the show more or less, which like I know we're all big fans of him. We we saw him last season. We know what he can do, but I don't think he should be running over those three the way that he did. And um, I think Kelly probably had the better of the chances over the piece. It was pretty even game, but they kind of had more of the better chances. And if they weren't, you know, absolute shit, could have maybe punished us a wee bit more. And probably should have, to be honest, if it wasn't for a couple of very good plays by Trevor Carson. But I shit game, but very fun commentary experience. I, I don't know if you'd agree, Craig. Yeah, I definitely would. Um, I really, really enjoyed it. I think it was a, a totally different experience to everything I've had over the past, what, 25 plus years of supporting St. Martin and going to games. Is to, I don't think I've ever spent so much time looking at opposition team sheets and try to work out formations and random stats about half of the Kilmarnock team that looked absolute dog shit on paper before the game but no uh, I really enjoyed the experience it was great hope we get many more chances to do it I'm quite looking forward to obviously this weekend's which we'll go on to talk about but yeah um, I, the day wasn't without its, its mishaps I've said to some of you guys already but I was always kind of telling everyone else we walked into the ground and get greeted by James Hunter who's the the media guy uh, for St. Martin. I don't know what his official title is, by the way. Um, but yeah, we get greeted by him. Uh, ah, yeah, there you go. And he's like, right, okay, wait here a minute because other players are going out for their warm-ups and stuff because obviously we're there kind of 30, 45 minutes early. So we're like, right, okay, we'll wait, watching other the players go back by and kind of idolising them. And then James doesn't say anything, but he kind of walks off to the left. So me and Andrew just think, right, okay, this is the way we're going. We're going to follow him. <laughs> And it's only when he gets to the home dressing room and he's half got it open that he turns to us and goes, no, you're supposed to stay out there. So, I don't know. I, I we, nearly we, got just, we just look like competition. We look like two Make-A-Wish kids just stood <laughs> waiting to be told what to do. 
players are probably coming out of that dressing room going, fucking hell, there's some hairy-ass mascots. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think competition winners kind of sums it up. But yeah, the, the game itself, now you're kind of spot on with it. But it would be more of a kind of middle-of-the-park battle. I thought we kind of got done down the, the right-hand side for quite a large portion of the, the first half. Um, for the amount of time and the amount of times I asked you, Andrew, how to pronounce Alibioso's name, Alibioso, I think it's still... I believe I've not been I, tonight, I, still, yeah, so. I still butchered that about five times on the day, so I did, but yeah. But him and uh, Johnson linked up really well, caused kind of tans on a lot of issues. For as good as the likes of Alan Power was, Kyle Lafferty, Jordan Jones, both were really, really poor. And I think over the, the piece, probably nil-nil, definitely a fair result. We had our chances on the day, obviously, Maine and Ayunga just completely misfiring. One thing that the, the game didn't warrant was the absolute heads gone from our support afterwards for some sections, just demanding certain players to be dropped and for wholesale changes in the team for what, in all honesty, isn't a bad day at the office and a bad point if, if we're still picking up points at home and we're not playing well. I think it might have even been Andrew that said this best, that that's a game we would have probably lost last season. I mean, we've all been Spurn fans long enough to know that, like, those chances that Carson saved, like, in previous seasons gone by, like, oh, we had a great, we had a, a few chances, but then they ran up with their only real chance and scored and we lost the game, like, still a point one, we're still in the top six, like, we're, we're still in about, you, you can't really complain about it, it's just people, like, they love, like, they, Spurn fans love a moan and when there's nothing to moan about, they don't know what to do with themselves, so, um, I think um, just what you were saying there um, about this being a game that we probably wouldn't have got a point out of last year. Um, the James Hunter again in the club were, were kind of gracious enough to let me hang about afterwards to try and get some absolute nonsense signed ahead of the, the live show at the weekend. And uh, I got ushered up to the, which I hadn't been in before just because of COVID and, and whatnot, but ushered up into the press room at the at the top of the stairs up behind where the, the match announcer is and, and got to listen in to both both press conferences, which was um a bit of a a stark um contrast as to where I'm at in my life when you've got all these serious journals trying to hit bylines and all that and I'm standing with a, a photo of a meme about Alex Grieve <laughs> waiting for <laughs> waiting for a bigger boy to go and get it signed by the player because I can't ask myself. Um but listening in to, to Robinson's press conference, he was he was saying exactly the same. He was saying a few things, you know, that that's you know, you could you could count on one hand the amount of times this season that, that many of our players have had an off day. He says it's not a cause for an inquiry, it's just a bad day and you know, he said training wise that that's as good a week as they've had all season with people being fit and and all the rest of it and it's just not come off, so he'll try and work out what that is, but but he's not he's not gonna lose lose sleep over one bad performance, but that, you know, it's a strong group just now. It's they've got a bit of a bit of consistency and a bit of security about them at the back in particular. And, and that is a, a game where we would have lost, you know, one or two now last season and, and just forfeited points, whereas we, we held firm and even when we're not playing well, we're still moving, you know, one point further towards our, our, our goal for the end of the season. So I think all things considered, it wasn't a good game. I I would go a bit further than you, Craig, and say that Kelly probably deserved the probably deserved the win. You know, I, mean? I, I think a, a fair result would probably have been one now to them, given the one on ones that they they spurned. But I'm not I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lose the head over the fact that we took a point at home. No. Against a, a well organised side, you know, it, it is what it is. No, there there aren't many there aren't many standout performers for our side. I think probably the two best players in the park for us are with the it's not really harsh. They say probably be Declan Gallagher again and yeah. Trevor Carson. But I think Gallagher probably edges it for me for the fact that he had to cover for Charles Dunn's kind of 175 game absolute madness that he has at it's times. Uh, some, of the, some of the stuff Charles Dunn, like Charles Dunn when he's like fully fully at it like when you go back and you look at the Dundee United game this season 1-3-0 the Celtic game and he's like one of the best players in the park he's like a centre half who's faster than most forwards and wingers in the league he's big strong he's got a good range of passing he's a great tackler and then he goes to hitting clearances over the top of his head having to run back and then almost pulling guys down inside his own box because he never judged the flight of the ball properly but 
it's not a cause for concern. Like we know that we're going to get a game where he's not particularly great. And if you've got guys like Gallagher and Fraser and Carson next to him and behind them, then you can probably get a baby. One of your defensive and a particularly bad day. But I think just to touch on Trevor Carson, he was he was excellent again. Yeah. I've said it a few times. The criticism we got at the start of the season was ridiculous. To be honest, it was mm-hmm. just really, really over the top. And this isn't just because I feel bad for him because he's a fellow goalkeeper. But the the criticism we got was ridiculous. And even like guys that are sitting around about me, we laugh at him and missed that chance or screaming, "Go off your line!" Like you're sitting in the stand, and he's a 34 year old Northern Ireland international. Like. No, everybody's got a different style of the way they do stuff. Just let them do what he does. And the save that he made for the double save that he made for the first shot came from McKenzie. The brilliant save gets it, spreads himself well, shot, then drops the ball, then drops to Jones. Jones has an effort, another great save, and then he's up straight away to go on it. But he's he's had a, a really, a really good start to the season. It's another clean sheet. I think that's what's we're up now to five clean sheets in the league. Their goals against column does look really good, considering I think if you were to take away the game that we get beat 4-0 off at Rangers, it's probably one of the best in the league. Mm-hmm. I think Declan Gallagher at home is potentially the best centre half in the division. The world. <laughs> and then and then and then away from home sometimes handballs it in the box and and lets Cholak do what he wants. But at home he's, he's as good a centre half as we've had for for a long time, I feel like I said that about Shaughnessy last year, and we said that about someone else the year before. But he's 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 just phenomenal. I think we said that in Shaughnessy's first year when he first came up that we that we said that I think we all we were all pretty much in agreement. We said Shaughnessy was probably the best centre half we've had in the last kind of mm. the last kind of ten years. But I think Gallagher's comfortably took that title off him. I mean, it's why he's a it's why he's a Scotland international. It's why he was a a key part of the team that got that got us to that got us to the Euros, and I think. Playing with David, I think we've, we've all said it before. Playing with David Bates and getting your partner switched about every week at Aberdeen didn't help. And I think when it's kind of nice to see Goodwin's team struggling a wee bit defensively, it's nice to nice to know that he had a ready-made centre half there that he, he couldn't swallow his pride enough to play because he's a prick. Mm-hmm. So, how often do you look at someone who's starting week in week out for someone, and when you're watching Scotland play, think? actually think we'd be a bit more solid with him on the pitch <laughs> at, at Hamden it's a, it's, a, it's a rare sensation no, it's, you uh, bet like the the goalkeeping situation that we've kind of been lucky enough to take advantage of the past few years obviously we've went through Fadke Anik and now Carson and there's an extra wee bit of consistency there with first Shaughnessy and then and then Gallagher so yeah it's, it's maybe a wee bit of an upward trend the, goal, the goalkeeper one though is terrifying because we are due a shite goalkeeper soon but then oh, the yeah, thing is true. we've got to kind of like Carson's now 30 what 34 he's a good age he's a good, he's a, it's, a, it's a good age for a goalkeeper but you can't imagine too many other people will be looking for a 34 year old goalkeeper so I reckon we might have him for the next like till he's 38 as long as he doesn't have I think like that, a I dramatic drop off at any point I think the, the thing with Carson is I think he his family in the North England I'm sure Right. So I think like he part of like the thing when he signed for Motherwell under Robinson, I remember kind of reading at the time uh, when we signed Carson. So I remember kind of being a wee bit. I'm not too sure why we came back up the road, but I think he he gets like a, a day off during the week that the mm-hmm. other players don't get to go back down and see his family, which kind of keeps him motivated to to stay uh, to stay up in Scotland. And I mean, what he's played for, he was at Motherwell for three four years. He signed for the United. He's now signed for us. It's clearly a place that he. He enjoys living in. So I, I, I don't see any reason why he wouldn't stay here until he's mm-hmm. 37, 38. Well, mate, continue. He's, a, he's easily one of the best in the league. He's, he's brilliant. I mean, I know I know you say he's 34, but ever since that hair transplant, he's, it's, that's taken years off him. 25 max. Great to see. As a, a follicle <laughs> challenge man myself, I, I just I love to see it. Good for him. That is a top, top pattern surface. Yeah. The, the greenkeeper's done a great job with it. For sure. Should be very proud. The other thing about Carson is as well, like, see, considering how ropey at the best of times Arnick's kicking was, mm. Trevor Carson's distribution has been excellent to watch. Ah, it really has. Yeah. It's pinpoint. He could land a ball in a 50 pence piece for 100 yards away easy. That's, it's like so precise. Every hit 
no ball wasted. Like, I mean, we all watched Chris Smith shell the ball at the side of the park every time he played for four years. So it was longer than that, actually. I mean, we, we have all seen some guys who can't hit goal kicks. So it's nice to actually have the kind of complete package. He, he does it. He, he reminds me in a way of Haladke quite a lot. Like kind of not too, not particularly tall, but very athletic, very good in one on ones. Like, aye, just a, a great goalkeeper and a, a really good, really good signing for Robinson. I think he's the perfect goalkeeper for how we play as well. Like, like the points you've just made makes him the perfect goalkeeper for us under Robinson. He can, you would back him to find a younger 10 yards inside the opposition half on a quick, a quick breakaway when they've got all their team in our. In our half, he's, he's he's capable of that. You know, he's not just hitting it high and hoping it goes that far. He, you know, he, he kind of arrows his arrows his kicks out to, to where he intends them to go. Um, if we're if we're singling people out, and I, I don't I don't want to be too critical with it at all because I still think he's had an excellent season. That that is as poor as I think Erdogan's been this year, and it's it's not Aye. not a coincidence to see him get get hooked. I think, and, and I think that's the. You know, we, I think we pushed the boat out a bit to bring in Gogic as well on top of the squad they've already got. But that's the competition that now that now sits there. Erehon is not guaranteed a game every week if he's if he's not on it. He's got Gogic just waiting Aye. to get a game in, in midfield, and, and and there is there is others there. So you could see the, the difference. You could see the difference in the, the attitude Erehon because I think see see if Goodwin pulls him off in a game a game like that, probably you can kind of sense in the body language when Goody, Goody used to take him off that he was a wee bit and you could tell I think the, the day get taken off at the earmark you were pretty <clears throat> you had said that Erehan looked a wee bit raging when he got subbed off that day there's other times that you could kind of see like he's not really too pleased but he'd come off with like no issue and I think it helps that he's got a manager that actually believes in him and I think there's yeah. when Erehan started every single game for us this season hasn't he so like mm-hmm. He clearly knows that Robinson trusts in him. He'll keep giving him the platform. And Robinson and was um, was on him really early, um, maybe twenty minutes in, in the first half. Um, there was a there was a bit of um, Kelly pressure, and as everyone was kind of working their way back out, Robinson was right on the touchline, having a full full volume conversation with Erdogan about, you know, where he should be in, in shape and stuff. And, and we haven't seen that as much, but. I think there is a difference with with Goodwin. You could just tell there was a friction there um, a lot of the time, and you know he'd be getting on at Erhon, and you could kind of tell that Erhon was giving it the rubber ear. Whereas I'm not saying he was happy to be getting called out in front of 21 other players and six and a half thousand people, but he kind of listened and then got on with it. And when he came off, he came off like it wasn't a you know, it wasn't a tantrum. It wasn't anything like that. I just think it wasn't his day, and we're in a fortunate position where, when that's the case, you get you get Gogic up. So it's not a bad spot to be in at all. Uh, well, there was a, a tap. Was it was it this game? So because of the now now, a lot of games have sort of merged into one. When I'm trying to think of it, Gogic could have got sent off in this game, couldn't he? Have? Oh, yeah. aye, 100%. Aye, that was this one, right? Aye. aye. <laughs> I he just overstretched for it, but I don't even think it was in the highlights at the time. It looked a bit yeah. ropey and a bit rough, but I think just from from going from the reaction online. Um, I mean, the, the replays, like the replays that we obviously you guys don't get the replays when you're doing the commentary, but I was watching it in the shop, and um, the the replay that I saw was uh, he definitely lunges into it. It kind of looks like he's tried. His, his foot is down. And he, he, mm, yeah. he puts it down at the right spot. Like, see if he was just delayed in that foot down. I think he would have probably worked. But he didn't because he's gorgeous and bald. So, <laughs> and it's another ninety minutes in his legs as well. I know he is an incredibly fit man, but in terms of match fitness, he is a little bit behind some in the team. So it's another. It's another. What I said, ninety minutes. That's a lot of shit. But half no, I, mean, so I, think got, I think you get like twenty-five minutes, yeah, half an hour or something. A few more minutes in his and legs, and it's. I think you'll. See, I think you'll probably start at the weekend. To be honest, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I think. I think, like, um, actually, I'll bring this point up later because it kind of goes into what we're going to talk about later. But um, any other sort of talking points for this match? The only other kind of chance I can really think of is when a younger completely miss hit the ball. 
Uh, I missed that. And it, it was just see, a, just an absolute air just, shot, wasn't it? But the thing was, like, he had like it was like he had no defenders in front of him. That if he had connected with that, like, mm. there was a good chance that that was going in. And it's just the slight like there was a lot of things said by Morecambe fans of what he's like, and that kind of fell into some of the stuff they were saying. But um, a bit of beakish. Yes. Um, I don't know if I said this, if I tweeted this, or if I just said it in reply to someone or whatever, but. I thought it was really noticeable with the younger at the at the weekend there that he, he didn't sprint. I don't think there was a single like um, occasion where he took the ball and had the opportunity of either going for a run and stretching the game or stopping and letting play catch up with him where he, he didn't stop and, and let it go. And there was a couple where he was played through on the break and even a few weeks ago, you know, against Celtic or, or whoever else, I would have thought he'd be the one that would be like steamroller in the head and trying to to get a go there, and he just seemed a bit cautious. I don't know if he's maybe carrying a wee, you know, a, a wee tweak or something, but mm. he, he didn't seem on it. He just didn't seem sharp in the way that mm. Abika didn't seem sharp a lot of the, the time. I think that's when you, you start getting just a wee bit desperate to take what lands at your feet and and stuff doesn't come off. Um, strange chance I was convinced was in mm. um, the, the kind of wee half volley from the edge of the, the box, but it's right down the throat of... Um, Hemmings, the, the killer yeah. keeper. Yeah, Hemming, aye. Hemming. Um, uh, you know, I, mean, I think that's a foot on either side, and with the pace he's hit that, at, it's it's in. It was a it was a great hit um, for a kind of difficult ball to to get that amount of power behind. Um, Curtis Main, Curtis Main came very close as well. It was a, a I have to say, a, a be- I know he's coming for a bit of criticism, Scott Tanzer, but it was a beautiful cross. Yeah, yeah. And you know, Main just kind of pulls off his man and. Just heads it wide, but it wasn't wide by much at all. But just just one of those days, wasn't it? I think overall. And and think Tanser was that. Sorry, Jim. No, no, no. I was just gonna say I, I didn't think Tanser was that bad. It was, it, it was I don't right. at all. No, I think it wasn't great. I think, I think it's kind of one of his usual games where people will always focus on some of the crosses that he puts in that that don't go anywhere. Like he has that where he'll do three or four but there's a few other crosses they'll have that are, are really good crosses that are good deliveries it's just it's just a bit of a mixed bag but it's what, just a know. it's just a classic thing and I'm sure we're probably going to go on and kind of touch about it every there's a kind of large chunk of our support that just look for the bad and everything and mm-hmm. just can't wait to jump on something that doesn't really need jumped on to be honest yeah tune in for later for, for more of that Um <laughs> <laughs> But what I was going to ask would uh, would you drop Tanza for let's say uh, Dylan Reed or something for the for uh, <laughs> the Dundee United game? <laughs> I'd drop Tanza for Minsky and Grieve for Fraser just because I think they're better footballers than the, the guys at the place. I think get Lasley back on the pitch. He was a talented footballer. Aye. Absolutely, Fox man. I'd I'd love to see him in a Sitman kit. Spoiler alert: there isn't a shite takes the week, but come off, Campbell Watson, take a bow, son. Wow, <laughs> wow, that was incredible. You're such a nasty man, Sam. Yeah. In causing, a na- just a nasty trouble. wee boy. Just a nasty, nasty, baldy wee boy. You I was say, hoping to be called, but you could say Sam's nasty, but all I can see is he's a good content creator. <laughs> Hey, I know how to stoke a fire, but that, that, that's got to be the worst take I've I've seen on that page in a long time. And by the way, that's that's a page with a lot of a lot of nonsense takes on it. But swap me a job. You know, I mean, what is Dylan Reed? Dylan Reed's what about fifth choice? Left sixth back. choice centre midfielder. And this guy, this maniac, one of me play left wing back. He says, uh, I think he said it was it's not his. It's not his job to find the right formation. Oh, thank fuck it's not because you'd be playing four centre midfielders. <laughs> There's some, some incredible backpedalling on that. Uh, that's this. I kept it fairly respectful. I, I, still get, I still get called a clown and get told that I should read more and listen to what was being said. <laughs> Keep up your pack. Can you imagine anyone that's that's suggesting swapping Tanza for Dylan Reed on a Facebook page and then Huff, hitting it with you need to read more? Surprised <laughs> <laughs> the guy actually knew his password to log in and post that in the first, <laughs> first place. It's a, it's a page where every take 
is worse than the previous one until that guy came along and I'd be surprised if there's a, a worse one this season. Face but. IDs changed that guy's life. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, looking at the Dundee United game, this will be uh, Mark's first time on comms. you looking forward to it? I really am. I just hope that I can give all of those freeloading ball bags on IPTV value for money. That's <laughs> great, Dick. Great, Dick. Yeah. Well, I'll be I'll be watching it on my phone, on my stag do, my Glasgow <laughs> stag do. So if I can get a wee shout out, so <laughs> uh, vertical by that point, that'll be good. A shout out to the Mary Hill Hipster. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, Dundee United at home, they're obviously on a bit of an upturn upturn of form. You know. Um, they're starting to look a bit better now that um, uh, Jack Ross is gone, essentially. Um, they're starting to get that new manager bounce, even though it's been a bit. Uh, we did beat them 4-0, though, previously. Can we repeat this scoreline at home? Nah. I think the very first thing you said there can add is just exactly it. It's, it's going to be a a much kind of sterner test than what it was a few weeks ago. Like they they have had a kind of recent upturn in results. I think it was, was Aberdeen that they hammered for now and then beat Hibs as well and drove uh, Ross County up and Dingwall, I think. But Liam Fox is obviously a guy that's going to have his own ideas about how to combat a team that likes to sit and encounter. And I'd imagine his ideas wouldn't involve playing Jamie McGrath out wide left mm. against us or four at the back. I think. I'd be, I'd be great if he did, yeah, but I think he's, he's kind of shored it up a wee bit. The switch formations around McGrath seems to be kind of in a position that's more naturally suited to him. Yeah, they've put him on penalties. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll get 17 of them then. Um, and yeah, we're only as good as the last game, I suppose, and we weren't great. But yeah, I'm not expecting a, I don't want to be pessimistic, not expecting a repeat of what happened at Tanadice. It's just all about picking up points at this stage. And whether it's one or three, doesn't really matter, just as long as we keep points on the board. I, I feel like this is going to be a cliche this season, but I, I feel better going into this than I do as hosting Livy and Kelly mm-hmm. at home. I, I think Dundee United will have to, even even with a new manager who's trying to show things up and all the rest of it, they will have to. You know, they, they pay it's what they're expected what they to do. Aye. Yeah, exactly. They're, they're going to come on to us with a ball. We're going to swallow that pressure, and I would back us to to be able to handle that and to try and pick them off like we did. We did before much better than trying to generate all the creativity in a game, which for whatever reason I still don't think we're, we're quite capable of. So, and of course, it is the first game with VAR that we experienced, so oh, yeah. we don't <laughs> actually know what the fuck is going to happen. Oh, every yeah, problem so, in Scottish football solved, so that's good. Yeah, so you just have you one commentating on that. Well, that that's going to be a tough one. Like, I am obviously like. With us doing comms, uh, we we don't get replays or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And apparently that that's something that um, behind the scenes are, are being worked on, so we can get a feed at home. Um, but I don't think it will be in for this game, so it's going to be very interesting to commentate in a game where you do not get to see the replay for any VAR decision. I think yeah. so, yeah, because we're going to be talking about what's what's happening on the pitch and why there's a break for VAR, and there's going to be people sitting at home watching exactly what's happening, watching the replays, but. You're not allowed to, you're supposed to avoid swearing when you're doing comms, obviously, so I can't wait to turn to Mark about 15 times during this game and just mouth what the fuck. <laughs> I'm, I'm quite interested to see how the kind of VAR decisions are communicated within the stadiums because in Scottish football, it's not really renowned for things being communicated well in the in stadium. We're only as good as the kind of resources we have. So I'll be kind of <laughs> interested to see that. I think it'll be I've, good fun at least. I, I, I've I've been to I went to watch Man United a couple of times last year. Nah, Man United don't have a screen mm. in their stadium. Like considering how like Old Trafford's one of the best stadiums in the world, it, does, it doesn't it doesn't have a big screen. And, uh, the second time I went down last year, the Leicester were up one 0 and then they scored a they scored a second with ten minutes to go. It was chopped off with VAR, and I think yeah, it's up to the announcer in the stadium to announce what the check's for. So I think uh, the goal got called off for offside, I think. 
So I'll just uh, I think in England it's like VR VR check. It'll tell you the reason, but it's for say it's a red card of like possible foul, serious foul player, something like that. So a possible offside. And then they'll tell you check over. So I don't know if it'll work. It'll probably, I... it'll probably be more like that. But imagine because we've got the screen, we can do something. Well, we've like got that. a screen. That, we've got a screen made a chunk of it missing. <laughs> so uh, hi. There's actually there's potential here for like serious misunderstanding on the ground because it's going to come up decision offside but obviously there's that big square on the screen that's missing <laughs> so you're just going to read that as decision <laughs> off Listen, I, I, I still I'm, I'm still not really convinced it's going to work I don't think because this isn't like the full VR set we've got like some kind of B&M version We've got a free trial. We don't have the premium version yet. Aye, one of those ones. The last thing in stock in B and M's. The box is all squished. Aye, three it's manager specials stickers on it. Aye, we, we've got we've got that version. Uh, like I don't know. The whole point of like VR, like the cameras cover every angle of the pitch. Like there's not going to be enough cameras in the stadiums to cover oh, all angles of the pitch. Like we don't even have goal line technology, and we're expecting this to work. It's going to be a shambles, but. At least I'm not the one commentating on it in its <laughs> debut. So. I don't know who it was, if it was one of the, the guys off the terrace or something that was tweeting about it during the week that said, you can put in all the cameras you want, it's still going to be like Alan Muir that's sitting in a room deciding all the decisions. The <laughs> yeah, so like, what's the... Oh, it's not... you see who's got front, front mm-hmm. and centre, who's got the grand opening on VR, it's wee Wally, so... <laughs> Just it's it's the same diddies that make a ass of decisions on the pitch. It's no it's not gonna make the difference everybody makes. It's, 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 it's always gonna have human error in it, that's the thing. So I think that's yeah. it. You know, we've all I think on different occasions all said similar where there's not some kind of grand refereeing conspiracy in Scotland. Their referees just aren't very good. And it's still the same people that are operating the the VAR. So no, nah, it's gonna It will be good. The chaos will be good fun for a while Mm -hmm. until it fucks us and then it will stop being funny. (laughs) I think some people think it's going to stop all arguments and all it's going to do is give you a different thing to argue about. Exactly, yes. Sports scene's still going to be about decisions, 90% decisions. It's not going to change that. It's just changing how it's talked about ever so slightly. Like, fucking Chris Boyd isn't going to take a bar decision and be like, right, that's it, that's settled. It's still going to be how Scottish football's talked about in terms of that decision went this way, should it have, rather than mm-hmm. analysing yeah. the actual game. But, this boy uh, can't spell VAR, so... <laughs> my, whenever, like, if I was still first getting spoken about, my thing on it was it's kind of unavoidable that it's happening, but it should be restricted only to, like, indisputable questions of fact, so that person was offside or not offside, there's a definitive if it touches the hand, a hand, it's handball, and there's no discretion in it, and then you prove it. Or like goal line technology, anything that requires any kind of interpretation. Is this a serious and clear error? What was the intent on that? Did he try to play like all of that should just be stripped out? That's not what it's. Mm-hmm. It's not what it's for. It's just going to create more arguments, and then you transplant it into our game up here. Where, I magic, you tell me how you're going to get five cameras. Slotted round Fur Park, and that's going to stop there ever being an argument about the football ever again. I ain't bother. Mm-hmm. Unreal. But, but before we move on, predictions for a Dundee United. <laughs> two uh, VAR decisions. Two 0 St Mirren. I would love. Do you know what? I'm going to say one 0 St Mirren with one of the most controversial VAR things of the weekend. I think we'll be the talking points. We'll be. We'll be dragged. It'll be that much of a talking point. We'll end up on Talksport or something. I, I think, think two, we're going to win 2-0. No. I think 2-1 Samirin. Jamie McGrath scored a penalty. For who? Because it's what he does. For them, 2-1. One, e- one each and uh, McGrath penalty will get chopped off because of our. <laughs> oh, nice. But yeah, um, stay tuned uh, because we will be talking about Smiza and everything that might be going on or might not be after this. Hi, I'm Declan Gallagher, and you're listening to Misery Hunters. Misery Hunters. It's probably one of the best deliveries we've had. It's up there. It's definitely it's up, there. It's up there with Eamon Brophy. <laughs> it's, better than, it's better than Borfies, isn't it? Yeah. 
Misery Hunters wait, wait, podcast. Have I, have I got Borfies here? I Hi, I'm Eamon You're listening to Misery Hunters podcast. <laughs> that was a lot of word soup for, for Eamon there. <laughs> 18 takes. That took... So yeah, you, past couple of podcasts, we may have been talking about someone trying to get back into the club. Um, we've also, like, if you've, you I mean, you need to be blamed from Twitter and Black White Army to hear about Smizer resignations and what's happening in the club. There's people on Twitter who clearly know stuff and are like, oh, what's happening? And PM me, hun, are you okay? You know what's happening. You know Get it to um, So we're going to kind of try and, I don't know, not work out, but just talk about it kind of thing and how it probably isn't as big a deal as it's being made out to be. Well, it's actually a really massive deal, and I know exactly what's happened, but I can't say here. So send me a wee DM if you want, and I'll maybe tell you. Bunch of fucking black and white army mean girls talking about, oh, DM me, hun. I don't want to talk. Like, fuck off. I think, I, but before, before we get to, like, any, like, it's fucking embarrassing how many people <laughs> take what Stuart Gilmore says, annoys pals. Stuart Gilmore annoys pals before he starts crying again. Me, myself, and Glenn. <laughs> I think it's, it's <laughs> I think that may be a podcast title right there. <laughs> I think I think it's mental how many people in our support just take but a guy who might have an axe to grind with the current people in charge has to say is like undisputed fact. Like but, there's grown men here that need to learn to take both sides of an argument. Yeah. By and by the way, I'm not saying that the current like board or like smice or like the kibble are all like faultless mm-hmm. but you need to listen to both sides before you can just take what well, that, uh, that's what we're uh, going to try and do now we're, 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 we're we've may have had a, a, a big go at uh, glenn sorry Stuart gilmore and um, sgg <laughs> and um it, like is it unfair the the arguments we've probably put against them probably not but no um there's like, I don't. There's a... I don't personally think so that it's unfair. I think fans have got selectively short and long memories. I think that for all the good that the guy did 25, 30 years ago in saving the club, we've already said this on this podcast. But anyone responsible for Tommy Craig getting the hot seat shouldn't really be looked upon as a, a bastion of of knowledge and, and bravery. A stabilizing figure. I mean, we, we can yeah. we can we can look at why Gilmer's not the best person to come back um, in a minute. But like the reason why this has all came up is, right, there's a debt at the club. 100%, that's what's happened. It's it's clear there's going to be a debt at the club. I'm pretty sure a mountain has been made out of a molehill. And one of the points I was going to make earlier that I said that I was going to make now is we have overspent on our budget. That is clear to see. Robinson said before anyone came in, there was going to have to be two or three players go. And then we signed Gogic. So we were already over budget before, so I don't know whether Robinson said, oh, don't worry, Curtis Main's going, there's a bid here, he's going, and then um, as soon as like we got the Gogic deal in, like, Main, just reject that bid now. Because he, he was apparently off skin, he rejected um, Wrexham. Man United as well. Man United, uh, I mean, of course. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so like we have overspent on that budget, we have a, a quite a, a weighted midfield it's clear to see that some players might be going. I've been, I've had people in my shop saying, "Oh, we're going to be asset stripping." I don't think that's going to be the case. Um, he, um, <laughs> I think Ethan's probably going January. His contract's up at the end of the season. We said it at the start of the season; he was probably going to go. Like he, he's in probably the best form of his life. We either lose him for a free at the end of the deal or we try and make some money. So you try and make some money, it plugs a little gap and it's another wage off. We don't need to replace him because you've got Gogic there. Like we all thought Gogic was coming in to play centre back. It'll be centre back cover, but we know his best place is in the middle of the park and it's a straight swap for Ethan. That's what that is. I think if Ethan, if Ethan's to go, there's Dylan need to kind of cover that deep line playmaker slash ball winner role that Ethan slash does. Slash left wing back. Slash left wing back. <laughs> so don't, don't don't forget don't forget the left wing back. But I and uh, yeah, just... so Dylan Reed's probably off skate as well. We'll probably like essentially we, we don't need to beat around the bush. Here. That family's waiting for a bid from Rangers. Celtic mm. bids can come in all oh. the time, and he can knock them back all he wants. Like that Rangers bid is where it's going to he's going to end up. If, or if, Chelsea or Linfield yeah, or Kilmarnock. Any of the Blues brothers. 
that boy's dad, that boy's dad doesn't doesn't listen to flute band music for nothing. He he's earned that move. That boy's dad listens to the prod claimers unironically. <laughs> <laughs> Is there a band called the Prod Claimers? Because I, I mean, uh, they're, I need they're to get playing them the on. Bristol Barn a couple of weeks. All right. Time to go to YouTube and get my mic. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, th- there's clear there's a debt at the club. There's been whether you can look at. Um, like the manager's been a wee bit clever there with how to get an extra player in, or it's maybe a bit of mismanagement from behind the scenes on like whether it's someone from Smyzer or someone from Kibble who has approved these transfers without them actually confirming the the wage was going to be freed up. Yes, that's mismanagement. That does not mean that we bring in Stuart Gilmore. No. It doesn't mean you drop five five directors and scorched earth and all the rest of it, and I, th- I think, I, th- I think you're right. I think there's undoubtedly things going on, and I think even if, I mean, even if we were to have someone who's currently on the board or whatever on here to, to talk about it candidly, I'm sure they would say that there's, you know, mm-hmm. they're, they're human. There's there's decisions that have been made that probably weren't the right ones. There's things that have been that have been managed that could have been managed better. You know, it's it's not a secret at this point, and, and we were speaking about it the other week that the academy is taking a bit of a a tough time of it just now in, in terms of. In terms of money, that's you know, it's, it's unlikely that it's the academy that's grossly overspent on anything, but they seem to be the the ones that are maybe facing some of the kind of stiffer stiffer end of it when it comes to, to trying to get some of that money back with, with the training um, centre and building that's been getting refurbished since since Stuart Gilmer was chairman, I guess, <laughs> <laughs> since Gary Till was manager. Like, we're, we're, you know, you're going back, you're going back a long time for some of these things and. The world's only getting more expensive, so these things are only getting more expensive, and that's not necessarily anyone's, you know, kind of. It's not necessarily a horrible decision on anyone's part. It's just, it's just something that that probably needs to be corrected. And I think there's there's, there's room to have that conversation without creating burner accounts on forums and rounding up your pals to call chaos I- and. We don't want people off boards and yeah, we don't just need the magnificent seven retired pensioners that live in Spain and play golf all day. What I'm worried about is like so obviously Stuart Gilmer has friends within Smyza. Hey, you know, he obviously he obviously like he obviously gets his information for somebody yeah. within the club or within Smyza. Like. So there, so he's got people there supporting him. Like the, I mean, you you've seen on Twitter and on um Black and White Army forums, you might have seen screenshots if you don't even go on them. Like that, people are taking him for for his word. He's saying it's mayhem, so everyone's backed him, and that they're all wanting him on the board. I'm just hoping that no one at Smize is cutting corners or anything to try and get him on. Like, um, there's obviously an election coming up. Is he going to be? Uh, who's going to run against him? That's the thing. Is it? Is he going to run? Let's like, trust. Let's trust. Jesus. She needs a job, eh? <laughs> Neil Lennon, he he needs a job, I know. Um is it going to run unopposed? That's something like I, I hope not. I hope there's there's someone out there that might fancy it. So, like maybe a slightly different voice, different direction, Mark. <laughs> um <laughs> uh, <laughs> Dave, Dave. Dave. <laughs> Um it, it's just I just don't think that the I think it's a massive step back bringing Gilmer in. Gilmer, yeah, he put money into the club when it was needed, but he got that money back. He sold the club um, to Gordon Scott, the fans, whatever. Um, and now it's kind of a, as we kind of touched on it last time, it's like a a way of getting back in without putting his money in. And it's yeah, a free and role, isn't it? Yeah. It's an ego booster. It is. And he can say that he will be here because um, the club, like he can put money in if the club needs it. Can he? Is I don't think he can, and I don't think he will. If you look, at and that's factors, also not what it's about. No, like we're, we're fan owned for, mm-hmm. you know, for in sickness and in health, we're now we're now fan owned. We're we're not there to be propped up by outside investment. If if there's a if there's a money issue that we can't get on top of, then we cut our cloth accordingly, mm-hmm. and maybe that means we drop back down a wee bit. But it's a community club, not at the whim uh, of of any one person, and. <laughs> I hope this doesn't come across as us just entirely writing off everything that that Gilmer ever, ever did or, or getting too personal. I think we're here to kind of take piss and make light of the situation, and that's what's going on. 
and Stuart Gilmore did lots of, of good things. And if, if, the, if Stuart Gilmore didn't step in when he did in the 90s, we wouldn't have a support. Like, 100% and it shouldn't be it shouldn't be forgotten. But I think in the situation we're in now, with the change in dynamic at the club, the club had 20 years or you know 18 years under that Stuart trip or whatever it was. In the end, and, and we got to we got to where we are now. If if this was all about just stepping in in someone's best interest, I think someone like that, of that standing, of that personality, should be throwing their weight behind someone that they mm-hmm. back to come in and to make changes that maybe need to be made. And and that's how you use that influence. I don't think you try and wrestle back your control again. Your your kind of ego and, and do that from the inside. I think I think there should maybe just be a bit of recognition that you had your turn Aye. and that the club's gone in a different direction and it took a long time to to get it going. I mean, how long was the club up for, for sale in the end? Six years? Well, that's it. Someone Aye. made that, I can't remember who it was in the group chat, made a great point that, like, um, we were a club with a brand new stadium and debt-free. With a Gil- training centre. With a tra- like our own training centre. And Gilmer couldn't sell us. Aye, nobody wanted to touch no, no, um, And if you can't yeah. make that a valuable asset to anybody, then like, like you try to bring right in as well. Argentinian Aye. consortiums. Like, Aye, like, I mean, he was happy to sell us off to like, a random Argentinian consortium, which I think was, I mean, very close to being done, apparently. So, yeah. I think you guys have kind of used the word ego there a few times. I think that's what kind of bothers me. I feel like it's just. I feel like John was kind of driven by like a heart pride rather than any kind of altruism or he's a good Samaritan boy. Like when he's I... kind of banned the people on mm-hmm. the truth will come out Twitter who paint it as. But the thing is, like that always like when I look at Gilmer's era, right? Fair enough, but some of the stuff he saved the club and that. But there was decision after decision that was the cheapest option available. Aye. Tommy Turner got sacked. So they had they had they gave the job to John Coughlin, his assistant manager. John Coughlin got sacked, and they gave the job to Gus McPherson, his assistant manager. Gus McPherson worked out. However, when they sacked Gus McPherson, they offered it to Andy Millen. Andy Millen rejected the job, which made them outlook um have actually look out there. Danny Lennon was an option, a cheap option, but it was a good option, and it worked. But when Danny Lennon was sacked. Lo and behold, it went to Tommy Craig. <laughs> but listen, the, the issue, the issue with the whole like the Danny Lennon thing as well. That's oh yeah, his treatment of Danny Lennon was fucking appalling. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, yeah. To, to be honest, mm-hmm. like he he's getting out and telling the press that oh no, like nothing's happened. And I mean, he knew fine well that he was he was sacking Danny Lennon. I think he told him on the last day of the season, didn't he? he told him before the last game of the season that he was going to sack him, and then Danny Lennon has to find out through backhanded information that they were giving it his assistant. Who, I mean that. That alone's that that's embarrassing. Like, I think the line was that they told Lennon that they they felt the club needed a change of direction, and Aye. before he got home from his meeting, Tommy Craig had the job to kind of do more of the for a guy who like same. Danny Dan, Danny Lennon for all he's turned into a wee bit of nutter. Obviously, we've like, touched on it. Like Dan, Danny Lennon will forever be a St Mirren legend. He's one of he's few managers. Not only a St Mirren legend, one of the nicest people I've ever met. Aye. He's 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 a St. Mirren legend. He's mm-hmm. he's won as one as a trophy. Give us a really good brand of football to watch as well. Yeah, as you said, Jamie, he's a, a stand up guy and he's, I've never, the most the, the most amazing thing is that guy has every right to be an absolute mm-hmm. arsehole about our club. But he isn't because of the type of guy he is. And it was it's the fucking embarrassing the way Gilmore treated him, to be honest. So like we've all kind of been at St. Mirren nights where there's players or whatever there. So see the 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 night I can't remember when uh, Danny Lennon was there, and I went over and spoke to him. And you know, he's the first one who's like, "Oh, how are you enjoying your night?" He said to me, "What's your name, by the way?" Oh, Jerry. He introduced himself, like, "Oh, I'm Danny." I'm like, "Well, I know that." <laughs> um, <laughs> took my name, asked me how I was, if I was having a good night, what I was up to. But it was, it was like really refreshing. And you're like, "You're such a nice guy." Like, um, and then other decisions that Gilmer made, like once, like. Once you've got Danny Lennon out, who might be more of like someone that might bite back to the board a bit, and instead you've got Tommy Craig, and we're sitting bottom of the league, and all of a sudden we're selling our, our top goal scorer in the last day of the season, or the last day of the transfer window, sorry, on a gentleman's agreement where none of that money was reinvested into the club at all, and no replacement was made for the the, the outgoing. Like I don't want that back, and so someone else. Did, no. Sorry, on you go. 
No, I was just going to say it's, it's it's just a continuation of what you said before. Mm-hmm. You decide that Craig's not working and a big change is to happen, and you give it to the veteran player that was assisting him, mm-hmm. and that's it. And that just it was just such a dark, mm-hmm. dark period. There was so much momentum that we had, and I can't. And remember, it just felt like it was gutted out again. Someone in the group chat, um, sorry for not giving any of his credit, but mentioned the fact that how much we've came on with relation with the fans. Like, it really does feel like a community club now. Something yeah, yeah. Gilmer and under Gilmer's reign was not a thing. He, like, I'm not saying he didn't, but, like, you'd got a general feeling that he did not care about the fans at all, mm-hmm. which, which there's now, like, a, a connection there. And we've even, I mean, obviously we didn't have a podcast back then, but we've got a podcast now, but even in more recent times, the, the kind of feedback we're getting off the club, like, allowing us on comms, um, you know, we got into some of the press games for the the games during lockdown, like it just never would have happened under his era, I don't think. And I just think it'd be a shame for us to kind of start looking to return. Go backwards. Mm-hmm. Right. It is a massive backwards step, as far as I'm saying, both as a football club and as a business. Mm-hmm. It's it's just this. Yeah, it's a, a massive backwards step. I, I, oh, yeah. I think there's absolutely a place for for that for his opinion. He knows more than any of us will ever know oh, about mm-hmm. what it's like to run someone as a business, and I'm not invalidating that at all. And 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 as we were saying before, I don't seek to to wipe the record of all the good because because there is a lot of good stuff no, that, that you should retain credit for. I just think if the if the intention at this point was purely to step in and help the club, it would be you know it would be advisory. It would be. Here it would be sticking your head up and saying, "Actually, I think someone needs to step in, and here's the guy who I think can do that, and garnered in support for something, not posting on Black and White Army that you're doing your homework and that you'll step in when the time's right, and all the rest of it. Like it's just bollocks." Mm-hmm. Aye, and I think about mm-hmm. all these people that see you the, know will go mm-hmm. out and yeah. tell folk. Aye, and see the whole like people being sweetie wives and posting like oh like stuff like. Oh, like uh, the whole like uh, you know what's happening. Stop dancing about it. You're being told what to write by somebody. Fucking do your own, but like go speak to people. Go listen to arguments for both sides. Like also, yeah, we know those like, people are listening right now. So that this is definitely <laughs> to them because even though a lot them, of them are quite vocal, they don't listen. And if you're going into anybody's DMs, go into Sam's. Uh, it's always me that gets the fucking hit for it so hi there's certain things that people can't really say to the, the complete extent as to what they know but yeah you're totally right it's equally frustrating with folk just sliding into your DMs and hinting that they know a lot more and all the, the truth will come out Twitter I think is the best way of putting it but yeah I reckon just for me it's essentially just for me <coughs> It does more harm than good. It's essentially just posting just, other stuff. It's just people like inflating their own ego, essentially saying you're wrong. I know more than you, and that will come out yeah. at a later date. But I'm see, not going to tell see you. If you've got a, see if you've got a, you've been told information about the club that genuinely concerns you. Get it out and get it told. Because if it's that serious, you would be telling you would every every St. Mirren fan deserves to know, not just a select few. Oh, and like we're not confessing to know everything, by the way. Like we. You hear stuff through people you know who are in a better position than us to know, and you can form your own argument. Like, listen to stuff from both sides. I'm a hundred percent. I'm a hundred percent against Gilmore being involved in the club. I just I think it's the wrong, the wrong thing to do. But I'll still listen to arguments for it. I'm not going to completely just yeah, disregard yeah. the fact. That, I mean, this is a guy who has ran a professional football team for, as you said, about twenty years. That guy's smarter than I will probably ever be in a business sense and knows how to run a football team better than I could I can still think he's a clown and I can still disagree with what he says though so absolutely yeah I think just for me it's just touching on what Jamie said way back at the top of this the biggest issue I've got with the whole thing is just how how kind of underhanded some of it feels in terms of all the people leaving the club leaving the board it it very much feels like the guys there's there's a band of people kind of try to force them in a wee bit that's not what Smyzer was set up for. Like, there's supposed to be like, rules in place to prevent that kind of thing happening with someone just shoehorn on their way in. And to me, it very much feels like the guy's just walk, going to walk onto the board unopposed and start throwing his weight about. And I don't really like the way things are going, if that's the case. I'm not saying it is. I'm not trying to throw accusations around. 
but just sitting from our perspective, that's what it looks like and what it feels like, mm-hmm. and it's it's quite kind of disheartening. My, if that is my, what's going on. my biggest fear is that he, he gets like Gilmer gets his his place on the Smizer board, whatever. That he makes enough noise and hassle that maybe some senior people walk away. And, they, and all of a sudden, he's the best experienced candidate that can go forward. Aye. And the next which thing is, you know, he's the fucking chairman of the club again. Which is absolutely not what anybody wants to happen. Like, I think for for all these, for the obviously the kind of the stuff that happened in the media with the, the Rangers stuff, I think John Needham's been a, a very good chairman. I think his communication's excellent. He kind of, I think he's, he's updates that he puts on the websites, but I think he's very transparent and. I think he leads the club really well, which mm-hmm. is I think even the communications thing. Like, when did Stuart Gilmore ever put out a statement or communicate with the fans about decisions that were getting made on? Like, I mean, I think it's as well that there's guys in the board like Gordon Scott and who've helped us kick on. Like, you don't need to go back. You don't need to just go back just because you you think what this guy says is fact. Like, fucking move on with the times, man. If you really care about your club. You wouldn't want to have a guy who got bored a few years ago back in just because he's got nothing else to do, really, because that's what it feels like to me. No, I think I think we've pretty much covered it well there. Um, unless anybody has any last. Nah. Okay. I just wanted to reiterate again that I know exactly what's happening, but I'm not going to say. <laughs> so they are, and I, I just if you PM me, I might say. PM me, hun. You need to have a certain amount of followers though before I answer. Uh, Sam's big time. I'm excited about the the John Needham slash Stuart Gilmer celebrity deathmatch podcast that's coming for Christmas. (laughs) I heard it was a bare bum boxing match with Scott Uh, Johnston. It's going to be be Paisley Craft Beer and we'll uh, we'll sell tickets. (laughs) The Alan Wardrop Memorial bare bum boxing match. Three drink minimum. But, uh, Fair play, lads. That was that was a good like ten, fifteen minutes. We managed to go and be serious there, and they were guys <laughs> bare ass wrestling. So. <laughs> but uh, thanks again for listening. Um, MiseryHunters.co.uk for all our merch. Uh, Patreon.com forward slash MiseryHunters. Three pounds a month, you get entered into our monthly competition and um, access to our Discord. And there's um, usually extra podcasts, but there's not one this week because we're doing prep for a live show. But there'll um, be two next week. Is there? Okay. Bye. <laughs> there, there will be. Uh, and be if, there's, if there's not two next week, you know who to, to slide into those DMs for. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, and Sam's bringing us up. Bring it on, is there? <laughs> also, yeah, just uh, while we're mentioning uh, Patreon, I just need to give a quick shout out to someone who messaged me after listening to our last Patreon episode and said, I can't believe you had the opportunity to thank a foreign Patreon member who pays more than the normal £3. And you didn't mention me because this person, right at the start when I they know. first signed up, was in, was abroad. Was in France. And so, yeah, so yeah, although, he's in, <laughs> so although he's in more. Scotland, he pays, he pays an extra pound fifty a month because he signed <laughs> up in France. And I'm still oh, not going to mention your name, and you're not getting your shout outs again, are you? <laughs> I know, I know who that person was, who was once a semi regular customer, but it's not been in in a while. So, oh, <laughs> uh, what a loophole uh, we have found to exploit there. <laughs> Uh, just say and if you want um, holiday lads member sign up to Patreon <laughs> sign up when you're in Singapore or Vegas or something like that that'd be ideal cheers I also need to give a what's going to be a very veiled shout out because I absolutely promised that I would do this so the guy Stevie Gallagher that runs street stuff for Sit Run um, there's going to be some prizes coming out this weekend for the live podcast um, can't really say what it is right now and give anything away but he did play a, a big hand in kind of helping us out with it so yeah I promise I'd give him a shout out so cheers I, uh, thoroughly good guy mm-hmm. should we also thank a, a certain player's dad for, for setting us up with something a, a, an absolute hero yeah guy uh, very very strong support of the podcast the guy who pays his free quid a month as well so we, we have uh, just spent 10 minutes slating people that sit and hint at stuff and say PM me not number we've done the equipment uh, like that right uh, yeah, we've, we've just, just completely completely came up with that just the more about people just but wanking I, that, themselves that, off and inflating their egos and we're doing the same right now uh, that, that right. member of the but it's still in Reed's dad a big thank you to that guy that we're talking about because that was 
Aye, that was an incredible gesture, to be yeah, fair. He's so, arranged yeah. a flute band to come to your house. <laughs> <laughs> Can I just say how much fun I've had this evening, boys, just having the opportunity to sit around and talk sport with you all? It's been yeah, so it, enjoyable. It was enjoyable. And uh, I'm looking for, and next time you'll hear us, well, hopefully we'll be at our live show. Uh, we will be. Are, are we recording it? Should we record that? Like, I mean, yeah, I think, I think there's should. a there's, there's things called libel that would land us yeah. probably. In oh, a lot, like, so a release will may come out, but it may be heavily edited and beeped, and it might take. Can more. you can you hear nudity? <laughs> what depends what you're <laughs> doing with that nudity? I know, just maybe a lot of and slapping. Might need to do some script, uh, <laughs> some script rewrites. <laughs> No, but thank you, and um, as always, um, fuck Stuart Gilmore's appointment of Alex Ray. <laughs> I thought you were just going for the jugular, oh, man. No. Oh, yeah. <laughs> fuck Kyle Lafferty. Fuck him, man. Fuck Sports Social Podcast Network. <laughs>